Welcome to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. I'm D.T. Kane, author of the epic fantasy series The Agersfar Saga and The Spoken Books Uprising. Each week, I read from one of my novels, discuss my writing process, answer your questions, and have general discussions about fantasy fiction. It's like a book club, except I do all the work for you. Find show notes, info about all my novels, and much more at dtkane.com. Here's the show. Chapter 36 Dell was so fixated on seeing the legendary hidden Vanjo in the flesh that the soldier's words only partly registered. Like his men, the general wore a sword, though his was a scimitar, the slender scabbard curving like a dying man's last smile. Its worn poplar handle shone, polished from long years of handling. They called the sword death, for if you ever saw it drawn, you were sure to witness a life taken, whether someone else's or your own. Marquis, snapped the soldier, you will acknowledge the supreme commander's will and relinquish your brute to us. The edge to the man's tone finally drew Dell's attention away from Vanjo. The general hadn't moved so much as a fingertip the entire time Dell had been staring at him. There must be some misunderstanding, my good man. I am here on official business, representing erstwhile at the Congress that starts tomorrow. Why, I was escorted here by Duke Farston Liamina himself. Are you saying you refuse to comply with the general's command? The hands of the nine other soldiers fell to their sword hilts nearly in unison. Of course not, Dell said hurriedly. It's just snrack. The sound came from over Dell's shoulder. He knew what it meant, but before he could do anything about it, every soldier drew ten polished lengths of steel, whispering promises of pain as they left their sheaths. Rocks! Dell spun to his harper. Put that thing away! What are you going to do? Carve up the indomitable army right smack in the middle of the reading district? You think that will do anything to keep me from harm? Rocks didn't immediately drop his razor, but he blinked at Dell from over the edge of his face mask, and his chalky skin actually displayed some color. He folded the weapon back into its one-handed position and lowered it. Drop it! Now! cried the lead soldier. Dell stepped between the soldier and Rocks. Now, hold on, er, Captain. He was a little murky on his military insignias. All they had in erstwhile was the conservator militia and harbors, but the man had four slashes of gold on one shoulder, which he was pretty sure signified captain. If you're going to seize my... Dell frowned. He disliked thinking of Rox's property, even if that's what the law classified him as. After all, Rox was no speaker. If you're going to seize my harbor, I have a right to know why. Not after your property attempted to... The captain's jaws snapped shut like a sprung trap, body stiffening to attention. General Vanjo had raised an arm into the air, fingers together, palm facing out. 
he made a series of hand signals to the captain, who immediately bowed, then turned back to Dell. The Supreme Commander says I have acted brashly, and I will punish myself later. Forgive me, Marquis. The captain bowed to Dell, and his words sounded entirely earnest, as if the simple wave of a hand from Hidden Vanjo was capable not just of imparting commands, but actually changing a man's outlook on things. Only the captain's eyes showed any sign of uncertainty, cloudy and confused, as if he wasn't certain where the words he'd just spoken had come from. The charge is simple captain continued, his eyes snapping back into focus from their momentary glaze of befuddlement. Your harbor entered the city without proper licensure. All such possessions must be properly certified before entry into the city. Oh, Dell said, letting out a relieved breath. Erstwhile actually had a similar requirement. They should have been stopped at the city gates, but what with the influx of people here for the Congress, ordinary procedure must have fallen by the wayside. Is that all? Well, just point me in the direction of the forms I need to sign, and the tax collector I need to pay, Dell added with a grin. Can't forget the city's take now, can we? Was all, uh, this? He twirled a finger around in the air to indicate the soldiers. Uh, really necessary? Begging your pardon, of course, General Vanjo. Dell bowed to the Supreme Commander. The captain looked at Dell as if he'd just said something foolish. It isn't that simple, Marquis. There's forms, yes, but then the underwriting process takes several days at a minimum, and if additional information is needed, it could go on even longer. You may start now, of course, but meanwhile we can't have an unlicensed harbor going about the city. Come now, that's ridiculous, Dell said. Have you spoken to Duke Leomina? I'm sure he'd authorize an exception. We did speak to him, actually, the captain said. Was that a hint of derision in his tone at mention of the Duke? He's the one who alerted us to the presence of an unlicensed harbor within the city limits. He came to us personally, not twenty minutes past. That snake! Dell's hand flew to his own sword belt, though his arm only made it about halfway before a flicker of motion drew his attention. Dell's legs turned to water. The general's hand had moved to rest on the hilt of death. Dell threw his hands into the air and took a step back. Rox gave a disconcerted grunt from beside him, but even the big man knew better than to show open hostility toward Hedon Vanjo. I meant no disrespect, General. Please, forgive my impertinence. Of course you'll have to secure my harbor until such time as I'm able to complete the certification process. Turning to Rox, he said in a much quieter tone, Sorry, old chum, but as you can see, there's little I can do. Rox's eyes narrowed toward the guards for a moment, but then he nodded. He turned to Dell and knelt down on one knee which put the towering man about eye-level with Dell. Remember, little Dell, remember the truth. The words mean what they mean. Then the giant did something he'd never done before. He pulled Dell into an embrace. It was only the briefest of things, though it still left Dell feeling as if every rib in his body had been broken. Dell coughed furiously as Rox released him and rose. Your razor, the captain said. Hand it over. 
Rox glanced down to his weapon, then back up to the captain, a glower plain on his face, even with the mask covering most of it. The captain shifted his weight uncomfortably under that glare. After several moments of silence, Rox unshouldered the weapon and held it out to Dell. What do you want me to do with that? Rox said nothing, just holding it out until Dell began to worry Vanjo might draw his sword if they waited any longer. He snatched the razor from Rox and nearly fell over. Torn pages! The thing weighed more than a loaded book pack! Rox turned away from Dell without a backward glance and was immediately swarmed by the soldiers, who clasped irons that likely would have fit Dell's waist around Rox's wrists. The giant put up no resistance, and before Dell had even managed to shift the massive weapon to a manageable position, Rox was already several dozen paces away, half a dozen drawn swords pointed at his back. Dell stared after the departing soldiers for several moments before realizing he hadn't been left alone. The general still stood there, barely farther than an arm's reach away. Vanjo lifted a hand with two fingers extended, pointing to the eye sockets of his mask, then ran one finger over the tear engraved on the face covering. Dell's throat suddenly felt as if it had been plugged by tar, and Rox's razor went tumbling from his arms to the cobbles. The supreme commander turned and followed after his men with a slow, deliberate cadence, and Dell could do nothing but stare until he was lost in the crowd. Then Dell crumbled to the ground like a vine cut from a tree, bottom hitting the cobbles with a thump. His hands were shaking to such an extent he had to stick them beneath his arms to still them. He had no idea what Vanjo's gesture had meant, but any showing of negativity at all from such a man could only mean trouble of the worst kind. Dell sat there on the ground in the middle of the reading district for several minutes. Many a passerby eyed him askance, but with his plumed hat no one dared question his intentions. Finally, with hands still shaking, he pushed himself upright and hoisted Rox's razor off the ground, cradling it in his arms like a dead body. Objectively, he knew he needed to do something to get Rox freed, but in his mind there was only one thing he could think of. He needed a drink. No, many drinks. All right, DT crew, welcome back to DT Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. Today is April 16th, 2023, as I record this, which is episode number 33 of season two of the podcast, and episode number 60 overall. Uh, just a, a short episode this week, but wanted to make sure I didn't leave you with anything uh, two weeks in a row. We just read chapter 36 of Declaimer's Discovery, and uh, the plot continues to thicken here. Now, Dell is without not only his speaker, but uh, Rox has also been taken away from him, uh, apparently uh, at Duke Farston's prompting. Uh, he turned Dell in for having an unlicensed harbor in the city, which, I don't know about you, but kind of sounds like a trumped-up charge to me, especially uh, for someone who is supposed to be an important representative at this upcoming Congress meeting, but uh, 
But there you go. So uh, Dell is alone in this unfamiliar city now. And uh, you can probably imagine that things are not going to go well for him <laughs> from here. But we'll have to wait and see until next time when we read uh, chapter 37 of Declaimer's Discovery. <clears throat> uh, just a few uh, quick updates here this week. I am uh, back, obviously, from my uh, birthday photography vacation. Thanks, everyone, who sent me uh, birthday wishes. Uh, the actual day was this past Tuesday, April uh, 11th. I uh, had a good time. I just uh, went home to Rochester, New York, which is where I am originally from, and uh, hung out with some friends and family, and uh, like I said, took lots of photos with the camera I was renting. So good times. I'll be sharing some of my favorite photos from uh, from that week uh, in the newsletter over the coming weeks. So uh, if you are not a newsletter subscriber, consider signing up over at dtkane.com. Um, the newsletter sign-up is just on the right-hand page there. Or you can go to email, or you can go to dtkane.com slash email dash sign-up, and you'll go right to the sign-up page. Uh, let's see here. I haven't given a uh, update on my writing in a few weeks, I don't think. So uh, I am uh, continuing to work my way through... Uh, Part six of the Spoken Books Uprising, which I'll be calling Fire and Ink. Um, and I did share a little bit about the plot of that, of this next upcoming installment. Um, there might be some mild spoilers here if you are not up to date with the reading. So uh, you may just want to tune out for about the next 30 seconds um, if you do not want to hear uh, three two, one, uh, okay. <laughs> so in, in part six, Baz will be returning to erstwhile to warn his brother of the news he learned in, uh, book five, which was Into the Dragon's Maw. Uh, remember, Tax returned to erstwhile after part four, uh, to start the new government in erstwhile that was agreed to in the treaty, uh, with the conservators after the Battle of the Frost. Uh... In part six, Baz will reunite with some old friends in erstwhile, and they'll hatch a plot to, to uh, steal something that is dear to the conservatory. Uh, of course, that means he'll be seeing plenty of Liana, who is now a master restorer of the conservators in erstwhile. You'll recall that uh, she led the plot uh, of the conservatory in, in part four, and uh, she's in charge of the conservatory here now. Uh course, Baz's old feelings for her will inevitably uh, once more rise to the surface, so uh, we'll see how that uh, relationship between them develops in part six. Uh, and of course, it's going to be a heist story, so uh, it wouldn't be a heist without loads of things <laughs> going wrong. Uh, so get ready for a wild ride this summer when part six of the Spoken Book Surprising will be coming to a bookstore near you, or at least a e-bookstore near you. Uh, I'm about 70,000 words into the draft right now, and uh, I don't even think I'm halfway through it, actually. So uh, this is probably going to be the longest book in the series. Um, so I hope you are all looking forward to it. I am diligently working my way through it. Uh, there's a lot of uh, new characters <clears throat> in this one, so my writing has been a little slower as I kind of flesh out uh, those character motivations. It's frankly been a little frustrating for me with how slow it's going um 
but um, I just have to keep reminding myself that, that in the end, all this advanced planning that I'm doing will uh, make for a richer story for all of you uh, in the end. So just bear with me, uh, hoping to get that out by the middle of the summer, but with how long it's shaping up to be, who knows, but rest assured I am uh, working on it. <clears throat> uh, let's see. I also shared some of my birthday reflections uh, in the newsletter this week. Uh, I guess I'll share that here too. I'll just read it. Um, just a l- trying to be a little uh, open and honest here with with everyone. Um, so I hope you uh, appreciate my journal entry like uh, <laughs> posting here, but maybe just giving you a little insight into uh, you know my thought processes and uh, my thought processes and you know how I got to where I am right now with my writing. <laughs> So I turned 36 this past Tuesday, which again was April 11th. Uh, Looking back, I have a lot to be proud of, including uh, an advanced degree, good job, loving wife, and a nice house. I uh, uh, certainly do not deny that I am blessed in many ways. Uh, But that said, several years ago, I realized I wasn't really getting everything out of life that I wanted. Uh, And while I had done a lot that I think, objectively speaking, most people would say, uh, made me successful. Uh, I didn't feel particularly accomplished, which, um, if you've ever been in that position where, uh, you are doing something that you're good at, but don't particularly like it, you can probably, uh, relate to that. You know, you kind of feel guilty because you're like, well, I'm, I'm doing quote well, but you know, I'm not happy. You know, why am I feeling so ungrateful? But, uh, you know, just because you're necessarily good at something doesn't necessarily mean it's what you should be doing, and that's kind of the position I found myself in several years ago. So that's when I started pursuing this whole uh, writing thing, which is, you know, a dream I'd always had, but I would probably say, you know, sometime in, in grade school, I kind of just figured, well, you know, that's not something you can make a job out of, right? Or, you know, that's only something famous people do. <laughs> so... You know, I kind of set that aside for uh, a really uh, long time. <clears throat> so, uh, but no, I picked it up again because I knew something needed to change. So I started uh, writing uh, Blade Sorrow, which is the first book uh, I ever published, um, which is available on uh, Amazon if you're interested in, in reading that. It's in the same universe as the Spoken Books Uprising, but uh, uh takes place much, much later. Um in a time where books are no longer uh, necessary to cast magic. If you're interested in that, you can go uh, check that over out over on Amazon, or you can go over to my uh, my website, ddkane.com. Um, but after I started that, you know, a couple years after I started taking my writing a little more seriously, I changed jobs to a less demanding one. You know, I'm still, to this day, not in a position where I can support myself with just my writing, but, uh, you know, I, I changed a job, took, you know, that paid paid a little less, still plenty, but paid less than the one I had uh, then. But it was much less demanding, so I had more time to uh, to work on my writing each day. And uh, you know, probably the that was one of the most important things I did for that transition. And also, uh, you know, just forming the discipline to to sit down and write each day. Uh, you know, I try to I try to not have any zero days. Uh, I call them. You know something productive each day uh, as far as my writing goes maybe it doesn't maybe that isn't even necessarily getting words done on a page but you know thinking about something or reading something uh 
about the craft of writing that will help advance you, but just doing something each and every day. Though getting your button chair in the chair and uh, getting the words out is certainly uh, important as well. Um, you know, and that's really, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot more that I did in there, but that's kind of a really high level. Uh, you know, I don't know if I'm ever going to be a, a famous author, but uh, I am pretty proud of the progress I have made in my writing uh, the past, oh geez, I guess it's been like five years now, five or six years since I started taking it really seriously. You know, and you know, the fact that I've released six novels now is probably one of the things I'm most proud of in my life to this point. And I think, I think what I'm doing now is the definition of success or, you know, at least the definition of success that, uh, that I strive for, but just trying each day to achieve something that brings you joy. Um, you know, I think if you can look back at the end of a day and, uh, you know, say, you know, I, I was at least trying to move the ball forward, uh, to do something that I actually really want to be doing. You know, I think that's a successful day. And if you, uh, do that, throughout your life, I would say you've had a successful life. So you certainly don't have to adopt my definition of success, but uh, I thought I would share that with you in case it uh, gives anyone out there a a needed uh, dose of inspiration if you happen to be in a position like I was. And, you know, I certainly haven't arrived either. I have to work my day job to support myself still, um, though I think I've shared this on the podcast before. I like to think of it as I am my own patron, you know, back in the what medieval times or the Renaissance, people had patrons who, uh, or artists, I should say, had patrons who, you know, you know, uh, supported them so that they could make their art. Well, I am supporting myself with my day job so I can make my art. So I like to think of, uh, whenever I'm feeling down about my day job, I just tell myself, well, that's how I patronize myself. Uh, just like, you know, uh, Leonardo da Vinci had his patrons back in the (laughs) Renaissance times or something like that. So uh, there you go. I think I've rambled on enough uh, about that. Um, Oh, and I guess I should just add, I do uh, very much appreciate all of you listeners out there and all of my readers who have followed me along on this journey. Um, It certainly makes it easier to go on each day knowing there are people out there who enjoy my writing and are waiting eagerly for the next book. Um, so if you have ever thought that maybe you would send an email to, to me or and it doesn't happen to just be me or any other, uh, author, uh, who, uh, you enjoy reading and you thought, no, that's, that's silly. Uh, I am telling you definitively it is not silly. <laughs> we, uh, we authors love to get those nice little notes from people who like what we're doing. Uh, writing is a, uh, kind of by definition, a solo pursuit. And sometimes it can be lonely and you can get uh, you know, a little lost in your own head. So hearing from someone from the outside world just with a few kind words is, is quite helpful. Um, so, uh, so go ahead and send those emails to, uh, to the authors that you like. Um, you know, there are plenty of ways to support us without spending a dime, and that is certainly one of them, a few kind words via email. Okay, now my rambling is really over. Uh, next week, like I said, we're going to be reading uh, chapter 37 of Declaimer's Discovery. Dell is going to get drunk <laughs> and uh, speak some truths like Rox told him to. So uh, tune in for the uh, next episode, uh, and until then... This has been D.D. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. 
Thanks for listening to D.T. Kane's Epic Fantasy Book Club. If you liked today's episode, please consider rating and reviewing wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're watching on YouTube, give this video a thumbs up if you liked it and hit that subscribe button and the bell so you get notified whenever new episodes become available. If you'd like to listen to back episodes or review the show notes, visit dtkane.com slash podcast. D.T. Kane's novels are available for purchase at most major online retailers, or you can purchase directly from his website at www.dtkane.com books. You can receive a free short story and sign up for D.T. Kane's mailing list at dtkane.com email dash sign up. If you'd like to connect, you can find D.T. Kane on Facebook at D.T. Kane Author or Twitter at D.T. Kane Author, or send D.T. Kane an email at dtkane at dtkane.com. See you next week.